This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Okay, thanks for coming along for the ride this evening. 2-0 Penguins leading the Capitals. Six minutes left in the second period. Both goals by Sidney Crosby. Now has four in the postseason. Rangers and Senators 1-1. That game headed to the third period. Blue Jays, hey, four runs in the fifth for the Jays. They trailed the Cardinals 6-4. Now heading to the sixth. They played earlier today as well, a doubleheader. Matt Carpenter had a grand slam in the 11th, and the Cardinals won the game 8-4. And, uh, well, geez, Milwaukee's caught up quite a bit. 74-66 now, the Raptors leading Milwaukee. Game six of that series, the Raptors trying to put it away. Kevin Bieksa, doubtful tomorrow for the Anaheim Ducks in game two against the Oilers. Defenseman Semi Vatnin getting closer to playing, but uh, nothing else on his status. All right. Uh, the UFC, by the way, is coming to Edmonton. UFC 216. Going to be at Rogers Place Saturday, September 9th. I know we've talked about this before. Bob Nicholson has talked about it, so now it's uh, it's nailed down for a date. Uh, Kellen, are you uh, are you big into the UFC? Uh, not as big as I am into wrestling, but I do follow it from time to time. Yes, UFC, it's a huge event coming to town. UFC, an actual competition, WWE scripted. Yes. Okay. Just clarify. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to uh, local mixed martial artist Victor Valamaki in about a half hour to get his thoughts. Uh, pretty big impact for Rogers Place. I know I expect, I don't know when we're going to get an announcement, I expect the Raptors to play a preseason game here in the fall, by the way. I, I, I think that'll very likely happen. I know it's been hinted at and talked about uh I know uh, Raptors uh, big wigs were taking a look at Rogers Place. Uh, I think even going back to last summer before the building was totally finished. So that wouldn't be surprised me if that's another big event coming to Rogers Place. We got the bull riding coming up. When is that in November? That's going to be cool as well. So uh, yeah, the building definitely making a difference, and it's good. And we gave away tickets to the Orange Crush watch party earlier in the show. I mean, fans are flocking to the building to watch the Oilers in the playoffs. It's been awesome. All right. I want to get to some texts here to 630, 630. <laughs> These are good. This texter says, The Ducks strategy equals play dirty. NHL officiating is a joke. Oilers would win this series easily if they would just do their job. Heck, the Flames might have even pushed the Ducks to six or seven games with better officiating. All right. 
Big L says, Reed Oilers are definitely better than just about anyone could have predicted. They beat San Jose two games because the Sharks gave up two shorthanded goals in one game and two breakaways in another. A really good team might allow one instance, but not both. The Oilers pounced. On the other hand, the Oilers have a lot to learn. Dealing with the emotions of Game 1, for instance, or that 7 nothing loss. So my thoughts on this series with the Ducks is predicated on Edmonton being able to reconcile their ability to exploit Anaheim's weaknesses and mistakes as well as simultaneously minimizing their own. And uh, the Big L also says Gene Principe is brilliant. We do love Gene. We have Kelly listing in Fort Vermilion. Kelly says, I'm convinced the Oilers have a modern-day Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Well, that'd be a heck of a one-two punch. And on the same theme, well, they are a heck of a one-two punch. Uh, on the same theme, Nick says, Hi, Reed. Mark Messier won the Smythe Trophy in the first Oilers-Stanley Cup. Wonder if that was because the opposition was always focused on Gretzky. Well, Messier was uh, very good in those playoffs uh, on his own. But this, Connor McDavid is incredibly important to the Edmonton Oilers, and he's going to be for a long time. But he alone will not win the Oilers a cup or get them deep into the playoffs or keep them as a top-tier team. And the Oilers have other guys that can burn you. And Connor McDavid, there there has not been a game in seven playoff games where he, Connor McDavid has been dazzling like he was often in the regular season. I mean, I still think he's he's playing well, but he's being checked. He is being targeted. There's no doubt about that. And the Oilers are still 5-2 and two in the playoffs. We've had some Talbot heroics. We've had some Cassian heroics. We've had DeHarnay. We've had Slepeshev. We'd have, we have had a lot of dry settle over the last three games. And we've had some Mark Letestu. Here's Dreisaitl, wrist shot, blocked, rebound, score! Mark Letestu pumps it home on the back door. Now it's Dreisaitl coming off the right half boards with a feed to McDavid. High slot, left ball. McDavid, open top of the right circle, curls, Dreisaitl, shot save, rebound, score! Letestu second out of the game on the power play! He's prepared to shoot it. He doesn't defer to, to others on that power play. And the fact that he's willing to shoot makes it work. Um... When, when we talk about test and, and fitting that power play, he's a very, very bright hockey player. He, you know, if I was going to pick a, an individual in the locker room uh, that eventually might lead a team somewhere, coach uh, with his, using his hockey acumen or IQ, it would be a test. Um, so he, he can make adjustments personally, he can make adjustments with a group, he sees it happen, he understands concepts. Um, so he fits that group well, um, physically and mentally. You know, I love what he said there about Latestu. I think we, we've come to learn and appreciate over the last couple of seasons. Latestu is a very smart player. McClellan even saying maybe he winds up being a coach someday. I mean, look, Mark Latestu is not the fastest, biggest, or strongest guy on the ice. But it's not very often you look at him and say, oh, my God, he's being completely dominated. He makes smart decisions. He's able to read the play well. He knows where the puck is going to go. That's how he got those goals yesterday, well positioned to get rebounds. And as McClellan said, he is not afraid to shoot the puck. He does not defer. He's out there on the ice with Connor McDavid, leading scorer in the league. Leon Dreisaitl, eighth leading scorer in the league. Oscar Kleffbaum, who can blast the puck. 
Milan Lucic, who's an established power forward in the league. But Letestu has realized the best play I can make is to fire the puck. And there's been so much discussion about the Oilers needing a right-handed one-timer on the power play. Who among you thought that it was going to be Mark Letestu, at least for now in the end. Maybe someday they get a defenseman that does that. But at least now it's Mark Letestu who has filled that role. And, you know, Rob often says, when Rob Brown and I talk after games, people will ask about shooting the puck, shooting the puck, you know, selfish, unselfish. And Rob often says, you know, don't teach young kids that they always have to get an assist to prove that they're unselfish, Right. The most unselfish play you can make is the one that helps the team the most. And for Mark Letestu, that is blasting the puck and getting in a position to shoot it. But interesting comments there by McClellan. Adam Larson was an unlikely hero for the Oilers last night. Do you remember when Corey Cross was an unlikely hero for the Toronto Maple Leafs? We'll catch up with him when we get back. This is Oscar Kleffbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Shad Crosby has two. Now Ovechkin has one. Late in the second period, Pittsburgh two, Washington one. 16 minutes left in Ottawa. 1-1 between the Senators and the Rangers. We'll keep you updated on those Oilers Ducks tomorrow. Adam Larson couple goals including the game winner to talk about the Oilers and scoring goals as a defensive defenseman in the playoffs I welcome to the show former Oiler Corey Cross Corey how are you doing you're good Reed how are you I'm doing great it's great to talk to you again how how was uh how was your uh, winter are you still helping out with the uh, the junior a team in Kelowna uh yeah the Warriors um you know we after winning the RTC last year we kind of had a kind of rebuilding year this year and lost in the first round in the playoffs but uh, it was kind of a weird year but uh, lots of talk about the team was going to leave and was sold but uh, fortunately the, the team's going to stay and we'll get back on the ice uh, next year which would be nice well, keep good to the, hear. Keep it in the community. Yeah. yeah, good to hear. I know there's sometimes it's it's tough with the uh, with the junior A teams, but they look, the guys got a pretty strong program going there. Uh, I know you're you're enjoying the uh, NHL playoffs as a you know as a as a former Oiler and uh, and a guy who had some uh, pretty intense playoff battles when you were a Toronto Maple Leaf. You must be uh, enjoying what you see so far. Just I mean, give me your impressions of, of this Oilers team so far. I mean, I've been saying Corey, they they play a lot of tight games, but they never go away, do they? You know, I, I really like the team. I you don't get really don't get much of a chance to see them out here. I don't have the NHL package, and the, the games are always blocked out on uh, Sportsnet in Kelowna. So I haven't really seen any of the games all year. And just until the playoffs started, I've been watching and really like the the depth of their team, um, the balance, the defense is playing excellent, and and, and uh, Talbot has just been unbelievable. Talbot's incredibly solid. Uh, I mean, it's funny during the season, a lot of Oilers fans, probably until the end, you know, might have had him as as the MVP up there with with Connor McDavid, which is pretty high praise for the goaltending. But you know, you you've you've been out there and you've played against star players and you've played with star players, but. How do you look at you know the the makeup of that team? Because I know a lot of people from the outside and say, "Well, you got McDavid; he had 100 points. What else do you need?" But you know, I, I believe it's not quite that simple with this team. How do you look at that depth aspect to it? Well, they got everything. They got size. You know, they brought Luch in. They got um, Maroon and Cassians and playing 
really well. You know, it's great to see that. And Rune's had a career year. And then, you know, you put that with the skilled guys like uh, McDavid and, uh, and Nugent Hopkins and Everly. And uh, that new guy that got um, uh, Drake. Um, Drake Kajula, yeah. Yeah, Kajula. He's, I'm really impressed with him and Shlepashev and... You know, and then and then uh, Latestu just been he's just been great. Like he plays in all the situations, can put him anywhere you want. And and then you look at the defense; they bring in Chris Russell, who blocks a ton of shots. Darnell Nurse is just getting better. Um, Oscar Clefbaum, uh, Ian Herbert's told me last year that they hurt they the team hurt more when they lost Oscar than they than they did when they lost uh, Connor. So that was interesting to hear. So. I'm um, not surprised that he's doing very well. And, and the Larson trade, I've always liked from the beginning. Um, when they made that trade, I thought it was a great move. And just some r- solid defensive. They finally have you know six solid defensemen that, that can play every night. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Larson, and I want to get to how his game last night ties into something in your career. But I, but I want to I want to finish another thought first on, on the Anaheim series in Game One last night. I mean, look, you know what Kessler can do, you know Getzlaff and Perry and Bieksa, though he's injured now. The attitude they can play with the, the Ducks have some other guys. There was a bit of a mix up at the end of the game, though. I think Cassian was maybe the one that initiated that. But I mean, you you had intense playoff battles when you played. You were on a Toronto team right in the thick of their rivalry with the Ottawa Senators. What's it like being a player in those games where you know it's heightened, where you know the other team is gonna is gonna cross the line a little bit? And obviously, in hockey, you don't want to show any weakness. Or, or you know, a lack of spirit to respond to that. You also don't want to hurt your team by going into the penalty box. So, how much of a, a balance is it right now for the Oilers playing against the Ducks? How do they how do they have to handle all that uh, chippiness, stick work, cross checks, all that little stuff? Well, I think they just uh, just play hard between the whistles. Like every whistle, play as hard as you can, hit everything that moves, and, and play and play physical and play tough, and then. When the whistle blows, just get away from all that crap, you know. So they got they got a real cheap call on uh, Dreisaitl last night with that slash after he slashed, slashed the guy about five times. You know, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but uh, I'm sure every Oilers fan couldn't believe it either. But you just got to stay away from that stuff. You know, play hard between the whistles and, and just, just skate away. And then let Anaheim take the penalties and then score on the power play, like, you score in the power play, they'll stop doing that stuff because they know um, they're just going to be down. They're going to be fighting, trying to get back in the game every time because you score in the power play with the dumb penalties, it just kills them. So. Corey Cross joining us on Inside Sports tonight. When when you were with, with Toronto, and, and I mentioned a couple series you were involved with against Ottawa, was there a was there a guy on the Senators? Maybe you're just going to list off the whole roster that that was really good at, <laughs> at getting under the the skin of the of the Maple Leafs, or a guy where you were just like, seriously, you again? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, Chris Neal was always was. They finally got a guy like Chris Neal, and he was one of those guys. But that was their that was their weakness. So we had we had the guys like uh, Darcy Tucker, Shane Corson, Travis Green, uh, Gary Roberts, Ty Domi. Like those guys are the guys that. Um, could get under the, their skin, right, and and bring that physicality to the team, and and that's why we won every year because Ottawa just couldn't match that, and and then they if they try to get chippy, it just didn't work for them. So, 
It was it was they were they were they were intense series, but they were you know it was pretty one sided. I thought on the physical physicality. So. All right. Well, and you had a big goal, uh, April sixteenth, two thousand one. You had an overtime winner for Toronto against Ottawa. That was Game Three of your first round uh, series, and you guys actually wound up sweeping Ottawa that season. And you know, we're kind of talking a little bit today about unlikely goal scorers. And uh, I mean, you had three goals in the regular season and two in the playoffs. So you know, you know I don't, I don't know if you. Yeah, need... they're all game winners over here. <laughs> okay, always, that's always right. Biggest, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know if you would have picked yourself in the in the overtime pool for that game. What, what do you remember about uh, what do you remember I got, about that I got goal? Seven goals in Edmonton the one year. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm short here. I, I, <laughs> so that's the fun thing about playoffs. You got, you know, anybody can be a hero, a hero right? Um, you know, you saw it in the first round. You know, you know, uh, uh, fourth liner scores the overtime, gets an assist and a goal in the over, you know, in the winner. And anybody can be a hero, and that's what's so awesome about playoff time is you just never know who's, who it, it's going to be. And fortunately, I was. I was at one one game and I was I was king of Toronto for one night, so that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> what what do you remember about the goal? Wasn't it? Didn't you join the rush and put it in off the post, or am I romanticizing it as well? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just following the play up, and um, uh, Sergey Berzak kicked it over to Nick Antropov, and, and Nick took a long shot, and it was Patrick Lehman net, and he kicked it. He kicked it out, and it went by a couple of the Ottawa guys, and I was just kind of following the play up and just one-timed it, and it was a rolling puck, and it hit it just perfect. It just hit it perfectly and went right in the spot where I shot every time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. You what happens the... when, you pra- when, when, you, when you practice a shot every single time? That's where it goes. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The muscle memory came, came through. Well, I, I mean, you so must have when, when you saw Larson get the, uh, you know, and, and I said I don't, maybe he never gets two goals again in, in the same game in his career, but he gets full marks for it last night. So you must have a kind of a, and you mentioned you liked his place, but you must have a bit of a special affinity for guys like that. That he's not on the score sheet a lot, but he makes a pretty incredible contribution. Yeah, it's a little bit of a dying breed. I, I see all these young, quick fast puck moving defenseman you get a guy like uh, Larson who's just a real stay at home, more of a stay at home uh, big guy you know, and just tough to you know knocks guys off pucks and plays a real solid defensive game it's kind of nice to see yeah for sure Corey it's good to catch up with you I'm, I'm glad you're doing well and enjoying the Oilers playoff games man uh, I know you're busy so thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports let's try to do this again soon okay no problem Ray anytime Corey Cross, former Oilers defenseman. Great stories from him tonight inside Sports on Ched. We'll update the NHL scoreboard and we'll talk a little bit about the big UFC 216 coming to Rogers Place. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Ched. Eskimos hiring Brock Sunderland as their new general manager earlier this week. You want more information on that and a full interview with Brock, go to the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. 4-11 left in the third period. The Ottawa Senators have just scored to take a 2-1 lead on the New York Rangers. That's been a tight game all the way through, so Ottawa goes ahead. Just watching the replay, it looked like the Senators were close to getting a 2-1-1. Ottawa able to keep it in. 
get the cycle going again, and uh, they get the goal to go ahead. Eric Carlson is first of the playoffs. Penguins leading the Capitals 2-1. That is through 40 minutes in Washington. Man, quite a turnaround in Milwaukee. The Raptors at one point were up 71-46. Milwaukee has gone on a 36-9 run. That's right. The Raptors have blown a 25-point lead in the second half. They now trail the Bucks 82-80 with four and a half minutes to go, or two and a half minutes to go. Raptors just tied at 82-82. Now into the final two minutes. If Milwaukee wins, that means Game 7 in Toronto. If the Raptors win, they win the series. The Blue Jays in action tonight, trailing the Cardinals 6-4 in the seventh. Second game of a doubleheader. Cardinals won this afternoon 8-4 in 11. You can text 63630. These are good ones. Yakushev says, Reed, do you think McDavid should take some lessons from Dreisaitl in the fine art of stick work and see if he can get Kessler to reach a higher octave? (laughs) And uh, Jim says, Reed, I don't understand why McDavid doesn't give Kessler a butt end right in the chops when the ref ain't looking. I sure would. That is from Jim. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports as we bring Victor Valimaki into the show. Now, Victor, we can't condone that type of violence on Inside Sports, can we? Definitely not. (laughs) You're probably smiling when I was reading those, weren't you? (laughs) That's the best part of hockey right there. Uh, You enjoying the Oilers playoff run, buddy, before we get to the UFC stuff? Oh, yeah, it's about time. uh, I'm loving it this year. Yeah, pretty good team, pretty physical team as well. We'll see how they do in uh, Game 2 tomorrow night. Hey, Victor, we wanted to have you on the show. I I mean, you're heavily involved uh, with mixed martial arts. We've had you on the show before, and uh, the probably worst-kept secret is that uh, UFC was coming to Edmonton. We now have a date, UFC 216, on uh, September 9th. Uh, Victor, I'll just start generally. Your your reaction to this long overdue that Edmonton's getting a UFC? Absolutely. I mean, Edmonton, a lot of people outside the MMA realm don't realize how, how good we have it in Edmonton. You know, at one point we had six different MMA promotions, different um, different leagues out of Edmonton, and a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of good UFC fighters coming out of here, and um, you know, it was just some red tape that was keeping UFC from coming here before, and you know, obviously that's that's out of the way now. So it's uh, it's about time. All right, and uh, UFC.com slash Edmonton, a site that has already launched. Uh, you can Fans can register with pre-sale access to tickets and uh, no bout announcements yet. But, I mean, do you anticipate that uh, uh, the, the tickets are going to be snapped up pretty quick? Because is this something that it, it could bring in fans from all across Western Canada as well? I honestly, I mean, I think it's going to sell them in a day, yeah. to be honest. And I mean, that's ambitious, but I really think one day they're gone. They're going to have to come from scalpers, um, especially some of the rumors about the card that they're they're trying to put together is is pretty pretty incredible. So I, I don't think it'll take long to sell it at all. All right, what what can you tell? And look, there's been nothing official, but are we looking at some of the biggest names in the sport? Some of the biggest. Canadian names uh, in in the sport, or how do you think it's going to take shape? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> you know, again, just rumors. You know, I, I tend to hear a few things, but you never know. You know how much truth behind them. And um, you know, I'm, I, I really think GSP is going to head behind the card. I got that. I got that vibe. So, and you know, I've heard, I've heard a few different things, but I've heard they're trying to save him for Vegas. But I can really see him here and. And the timeline seems right for him, uh, him versus Bisbane. 
When was the last time St. Pierre fought? I think it was about three years. It's that long, it was eh? For three years, anyways. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I've talked to a few guys in his camp, and I know one of his coaches. And, and I guess he's a he's a new animal. He's a he's a beast. He just he was burnt out near the end of his career, and he's uh, I heard he's just from smashing guys in training. He's he's like the GSP of old, where he was very aggressive and you know knocking guys out and submitting everybody. And um, you know, I can see where he's coming from. The, the UFC puts a lot of pressure on you a lot of media obligations and especially as a champ flying you around everywhere and um you know so i guess he was burnt out but you know it seems it seems that that time off was good for him but i guess we'll never know until he actually uh, steps in there well that's it that's exciting i mean we want to we want to emphasize we are speculating a bit here which is fine he's 35 he'd be 36 by the by the time of the bout i mean is that is that is that old for someone to be doing MMA and being involved in UFC, or how do you categorize that that kind of age range? I think it's very individual. I mean, yeah. you look at a guy like Dan Henderson, he's 46 or 47, and he's just retired. Uh, Randy Couture, when he came back to UFC, he was 39, I think, and then won a few belts. I'm 35 myself, and, and I feel better now than I have in a very long time. So I think it's very individual. I mean, some guys hit their hit their prime in their 20s and then fade off and then some people uh seem to seem to pick it up and i, I think it's it's a real individual basis but you know from what i'm hearing st pierre is uh he's better than ever so he might be one of those late bloomer guys no sorry when's the vegas one you mentioned that could also be a possible comeback for him is that before or after edmonton well i think it's around the same time i can't okay. remember the exact date but it was it was around the same time it was september i think Okay. Victor Valabaki joining us on Inside Sports tonight, talking about UFC 216 coming to Edmonton on September 9th, Saturday, September 9th. Uh, the uh, the pay-per-view is going to start at 8 o'clock Edmonton time. Now, uh, tell people how they usually structure these. Is there... Uh, is is there like a free, not a free part, but like a part that's available on regular satellite and cable and then a pay-per-view element for the people that aren't going to go, or how is that going to be set up? Depends on the event. You know, this one's supposed to be a big one, so okay. they uh, they typically have it in three parts. They'll have a um, UFC Fight Pass, so you, if you have the Fight Pass membership, then they have the, the early prelims, like the very beginning fights. Then they have a, a TV portion for the for the live prelims, and then they go to pay-per-view for the main card, typically. Okay. All right. So that'll be something else to watch for. Give me a sense of, uh, and Victor, we've talked before, and give me, give me a sense of whether there might be Edmontonians of Albert or Albertans involved in, in UF 216 or not. Give me a sense of, of how the, the sport is in Edmonton uh, and in Alberta, and if we have some maybe you know guys who are uh, working their way onto the national international stage, or maybe some younger guys who are part of a new generation that we could be talking about a lot in a few years. There's we're, we're really fortunate here. We have a ton of talent. I mean, we have a couple of current UFC fighters. We have like Mitch Clark, Sheldon Westcott. Um, I know I know Mitch has had some injuries, so I'm, I'm not sure if he's planning to be on it. But I'm pretty sure Sheldon Westcott will be on the card. Um, really, really big up-and-coming fighter. The guy's, you know, the, the ultimate athlete. Um, I can see him being on there. Um, Shane Campbell, he was just cut by UFC, but he just won a big fight recently. And, you know, he'll probably line up one or two more before before they start really booking up the card. So I can see him being on there. Um, and then a lot of guys locally, Hakeem, um, he's a he's a undefeated fighter from Calgary who's just tearing it up. He just... 
won a big fight in World Series of Fighting. Um, I'm you know pretty positive he'll be on it. Um, so they like to sprinkle in the local local talent if they can, and you know uh, I think those guys are kind of head you know the forefront. Well, and I think that's important, right? I mean, people want to go and know that that's somebody that you know worked out at the gym down the street or goes for runs in the river. You know what I mean? Like that's that's part of the the, the appeal of going to an event like this for, for me, anyway. Uh, how are you doing? We we've talked in the past about uh, about your career, about uh, and you working with other fighters and stuff. What are you focusing on right now, and how are you feeling? I actually feel amazing. Uh, I retired from MMA back in. October, kind of an involuntary thing. I couldn't, uh, I didn't get, med- I was supposed to have a fight and I didn't get medically cleared. And I, my own problems with, you know, two, I did massive weight cuts for a lot of my career and kind of screwed my kidneys up. And so I took a lot of time off and, you know, I'm, I'm back in training now. So I'm hoping to, hoping to book a fight uh, and, and get back in it. Cause I don't want to end my career on a, on a note like that. I'd love to finish it on a strong point And, to be honest, I feel better than I have in, in many years. So I really think that, you know, it's something I can do. And, um, you know, I just I started a business recently, so I was really focused on that. And I completely stepped away from, from MMA. Like, I you know, events for a little bit just to, just to get away from it because I've been fighting for almost 16 years on and off. So I've been in and around it for so long, I just needed a, needed a recharge. But, you know, I'm back and, and – uh, I'm looking forward to you know whether whether I continue as a as a fighter if I work with some athletes or I was even looking at possibly some some fight management and uh, you know so there's a there's a few directions I can go but I want to love to see what this whole body of mine can do and right. if I can't squeeze out a few more fights. Victor, I don't I don't want to get too personal here, but I, I thought you brought up something interesting there about your weight and the and the effect on your kidneys. And, uh, and and you know you obviously have there's obviously a story there and and maybe something you can you can pass on to to other other fighters who are dealing with that. I mean, are you saying you were you were fighting or trying to get yourself down to a weight that ultimately was was unhealthy or harmful to your body, or am I exaggerating? No, that's exactly it. I uh, I did some record weight cuts. I mean, I actually mean record. They the commission said they're the highest. Um, highest recorded water weight cuts for a fight. I did one fight. I did thirty-seven pounds of water, and uh, I really highly <laughs> do not recommend that. And I ended up having kidney failure. I've had kidney failure three times. Uh, ended up in the hospital. I had liver problems because of a, of a monster weight cut, and uh, it, it, it's probably the most unhealthy part of fighting. And and the local commissioner actually used me as a case study. For the, it's called the ABC. It's the Association of Boxing Commissions in the states. They have a yearly get together where they talk about new rules and you know the weight classes and stuff. And they use me as an example of basically what not to do for for athletes and how unhealthy weight cutting is. And um, you know, there's a, the, uh, a fighter recently died in Thailand from from weight cutting, and there's a bunch of collegiate wrestlers who die every year from it. So it's really really unhealthy and and. Uh, so my last couple, I you know I fought at heavyweight, so I didn't have to do the weight cut. But uh, the last one I was going, I was I was trying to do the two hundred five and and cutting, and then they just wouldn't wouldn't clear me to to do the fight. So um, it, it's so bad for you. I mean, 
you take you you know you're already taking shots in the head and and, and in the body. Now, if you go and overly aggressively dehydrate yourself, where your your brain actually shrinks quite a bit. Okay. So now you can hit in the head, and your brain's rattling around inside, and uh, you know it can contribute to worse concussions, like more concussions and worse concussions. Kidney problems, obviously. Um, you know, there, there's so many problems that associate with weight cutting. So they're, I know they're talking right now about um, uh, about new weight divisions, which would be amazing. I've been waiting for them for for a long time. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that, Victor, and, and I'm, I'm glad you're doing well. And every time we talk, I'm always impressed by uh, how passionate you are about the sport. And obviously, I, I know you're going to be doing a great job uh, uh, letting people know about UFC 216 as well. And I hope we can meet some of the uh, potential local fighters on Inside Sports here uh, over the spring and summer that might be taking part in that. Victor, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the hockey game tomorrow, and we'll talk soon, okay, buddy? Thanks, Reid. Appreciate it. That's Victor Valabaki checking in tonight. Heavily involved, obviously, in the uh, mixed martial arts community here in Edmonton and uh, letting us know a little bit about UFC 216. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I am not a, I'm certainly not an expert on, on uh, UFC. I know the big names, and I know if George St. Pierre came back to fight in Edmonton, Kellen, that would be uh, extremely significant, shall we oh, say. Oh, absolutely. That might be an understatement. <laughs> but he, uh, I mean, he was considered, and then maybe people could help me out, would he be considered the best UFC fighter of all the time, one of the uh, on a very, if not the best, one of the very best of all time. Probably on a very top short list. five, yeah. at least on my list. Probably top five. Right, and he was known for, and again, I'm I, I'm not going to try and and pretend I know things I don't. So I'm just going to base on the when I did watch him a few times. He was he was he no, not known for being very technical, like very precise. Like he didn't go oh, out there and, and knock people out. Yeah. He generally would win decisions. A real technician in the octagon, for sure. Right. So he just had the the technique that people could not just could not break through against him generally. Yeah. So if he exactly. came if he came back in Edmonton after three years, it would be like holy macaroni. It's it'd probably be the equivalent of Gretzky lacing him up for one more game in the NHL. That's what it would be for like. UFC. Okay. Well, that's an interesting comparison. Uh, Ottawa has beaten the Rangers two one the final. Eric Carlson, the game winner at fifteen forty nine of the third period, still two one. Penguins leading the Capitals. They're six minutes into the third. The Raptors are up eighty nine eighty four with twenty four seconds left in Milwaukee. So they're trying to close out that series. Jays still trailing the Cardinals six four in the eighth. We're back in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports on Ched. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Thank you, Mr. Hendricks. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Capitals have tied it. Kuznetsov at 8.05 of the third. 2-2 with the Penguins. Senators beat the Rangers 2-1. Text 630-630. This person says, uh, no mention that the UFC is the same time as the Eskimos' Labor Day rematch. Seems like OEG isn't thinking about other groups. Well, I think that would be a bit of a, an exaggeration on that texter's behalf. Uh, I think that UFC would have had a, a role in picking the date as well. Also would have been based on the availability of Roger's place. This day is before the Oilers and Oil King seasons get going. I would hope in a uh, region this size, with over uh, a million people in Edmonton and area, and probably people coming from around the West to watch UFC, there's enough interest in both events to have very good crowds at both events. 
perhaps it's not preferable that they're at the same time, but I don't think it means one's going to suffer and it's it's only possible for one to suffer and one to thrive. Uh, this texter says, who's the mystery player? We do the mystery player on the face-off show. <laughs> so uh, before the game tomorrow, we'll have a mystery player. Sound fair, Kellen? <laughs> Sounds more than fair to me. Absolutely. I'm glad somebody's eager, though. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> how, how about this? How about if you phone in on Bruce's show tomorrow and say Mark Messier? He's a mystery player for tonight's game. How's no, that? don't tell people that. Because <laughs> now people who just turn on the radio will hear that, and they'll phone Bruce in the morning. I just and say Mark be Messier. Like, I heard Mark Messier is the mystery player. What do I win? <laughs> and Bruce will be confused. Nah, that's don't true. make it difficult okay, yeah, on everybody, do Kellen. Don't do that. Quickly here, uh, Todd McClellan was asked about how um, calling that uh, goalie interference challenge in the third period might have helped the Oilers. What gave us a little bit of time to regroup, um, you know, talk about things. Um, there, the, the coach's challenge has that effect sometimes, but it was a legitimate challenge. We thought we could... could uh, you know, affect the outcome of the call and uh, didn't work our way um, in the call itself. But it, it did give us a little bit of time. Those two goals came pretty quick. Um, there was energy back in the building. It gave us a little time to, to slow things down, take a deep breath, have all four lines rested and ready to play again and mentally recover. Yeah, it worked like a timeout. It didn't look like a challenge. The Oilers were going to win. I didn't think so anyway, but they came back and won the game. One nothing series lead. Game two tomorrow. We'll sign on at six with the face-off show. Game starts at eight thirty. All Oilers playoff action live right here on six thirty. Chet. Raptors did win ninety two eighty nine. They win the series over Milwaukee in six. Cardinals still leading the Jays six four in the eighth. And as I mentioned, Pens and Caps two two in the third. Senators beat the Rangers two one. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Thanks to our guests tonight. You heard from Victor Valimaki, Corey Cross, and Gene Principe. You miss anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Charles Adler tonight is next. Really appreciate everybody who called and texted as well. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.